Welcome again to 3CR Raising Our Voices. We are happy to be bringing you another episode from Voice at the Table, otherwise known as VAT, about culture. We gather together today on this special place to continue our learning journey together. We are knowing the boy Barang and Boom Barang, people of the Kuma Nation as the Tunisian Kajitian of this land and waters of the place where we are recording this podcast and the sovereign had not been Jesus. We knowledge and pay respect to the oldest past and present and emerging. We also pay respect to the First Nations who are listening. We remember the self-advocates who have worked really, really hard over the years for the right for themselves and other people with disabilities to live in the community and for equality and human rights for all. Nothing about us without us. So here we are, back again, being prepared, continuing on from our last episode with Heather and Peter. So if we were to unpack good communication a bit more, I think, personally, I think it's communication is between the organisation and the representatives or self-advocates, and it happens in ways that are accessible and helps learning and understanding. I know we've touched on these topics a little bit. I think maybe we could uh, expand a bit more on what good communication between an organisation and a self-advocate could look like. It is very important in all cases, but particularly the organisation isn't a disability organization, but rather a general one. The respect is unfortunately of non-existent, but if an organization has asked for self-advocates to be present at the meetings that already they've been present of the way there. Well, um, some people without disability don't have much or a chance to hang out with people with a disability. And the other way around, because people with a disability are always locked up in group homes or sent to special schools or they work in sheltered workshops. Great stuff there, Peter and Heather. And what, and the last thing that we want to touch on before we get into 
a big meaty chunk of this podcast is action. And I know I've, I've used this example in the past uh, where I went to a consultation and we were asked to provide our expertise, you know, being the ones with the lived experience. And we provided many great tips and ideas for improving a service and we didn't hear anything back. I think it is important that what is talked about at the meetings and that actions are taking place and the changes are uh, put it, put there for everyone's benefit. Unfortunately, that is so true of the last majority of meetings. Now, I was very the welcoming into disability and welcoming into anything. I think I get another focus, but sometimes they do have a positive outcome, but very rarely. <laughs> You're listening to That Chat. Okay, so we've gone through quite a bit, but before we go on to the next bit, which is quite important, you know, that we keep talking about how there's a checklist coming up, but one of the things that we need to touch on before that is, um, you know, being prepared means things that an organisation or the committee needs to do before a meeting. And some of those things uh, we talked about in the previous episode, <coughs> but it also means... Um, making sure that our self-advocates have all the necessary information. And that includes not just an agenda, but also dates for all the meetings so they can be prepared and know when they need to book, say, if they need to, book support workers and things like that. It also means making sure that all the documents are in easy English so everyone knows what they're talking about and knows what the meeting is for. So for us, we, we see those things as easy, but uh, not everyone does. They see it as extra work and it becomes hard for an organisation or a committee to stay inclusive for that reason. Um, would you have any tips or, you know, tricks that we could share with our organisations, Peter, that could make this thing a bit easier? Um, I don't know how it could be easier except that an organisation, obviously, before every meeting, even 10 years ago, all meetings, a good meeting should have 
been organized beforehand with purposes and what the meeting for and what changes it will make and they could put in the inclusive thing into that and it doesn't really add any burden to the pre-organisation of a meeting, making sure everyone is respected, etc., and included. And I mean, it's no burden. And if it became a habit with the organisation facilitator, it wouldn't be a burden and it would hopefully never be omitted. Excellent information there, Peter. It's something that all organisations should take into account. And I think uh, it just uh, made me think that one thing that we could pass on is that this needs to happen every meeting. Uh, it should happen regardless of whether someone with a cognitive disability is attending. If it become happens every meeting, yeah, regardless, yeah. it becomes much easier when that really yeah. needs to happen. Yes, sir. So one of the ways to help would be to use one of our checklists and our checklist that we, we've put together uh, contains six, yes, six six items in it. They're a bit bit meaty, but they're very good and very, very helpful for everyone involved in a meeting, uh, whether it be the self-advocate representative or whether it's for the organisation. The, the main point of these this checklist is for organisations and it will make sure that the self-advocate's input is valued and respected and is um, in tune with what they actually want to find out. So I'll go through the first one. So the first point or the first item on the checklist, it's pretty straightforward. Does the meeting have a clear purpose? What is the meeting for and what changes will it make? We've touched on this a couple of times already, but I think it's worth uh, repeating because it makes it much easier for the self-advocate and it makes it much easier for everyone attending a meeting if they know what the clear purpose is. Mm. So did you have any thoughts on that one, Peter? And it's... It's something that, yeah. you know, it's one thing for me just to read off the list. Yeah. That's another yeah. thing here from our self-advocates. Pretty obvious, I think, that the meeting have a clear purpose. Why are you having the meeting? What do you want to achieve from it? That is obvious. Mm. Yes, it is, isn't it? You know, as we sit here and talk about it and think about it, it's quite obvious and it's quite straightforward. You know, there's no point having a meeting 
about mm. something and not putting those changes into effect as well. I mean, it's quite straightforward to me. You're listening to 3CR, Raising Our Voices. This month, we're joined again by the crew from VAT, Voice at the Table. The second item on the checklist is, does the meeting run in a way that makes sure everyone is included? Does everyone at the meeting understand what it is and why it is important for everyone to be included? And do they know what that looks like? Number three, is it, is it clear why, where, when and how you will include self-advocates with cognitive disabilities in your organisation? And, and to further that out a little bit, you know, do the policies and procedures that within the organisation make sure everything is accessible to people with cognitive disabilities? Now, as we've touched on a few times now, we're talking about things like easy English of the documents, making sure things are... Uh, the communication lines are always open and making sure that um, everyone within the meeting understands what inclusive means. If we move along to item number four within our checklist for the organisation on running inclusive meetings, it says, how's your chair been trained in how to run accessible meetings. A good chairperson is the most important person in making sure meetings are accessible and inclusive. Do we have any examples of that? Well, as I said before, the chair of the because meeting was she been, I don't know if she's been trained. She just knew how to run accessible with a capital A meeting. And she, she of course, was the most important person in the meeting. I think uh, VCOS themselves have done the training, the Voice at the Table training. And um, one of the uh, insights that we gained is in regards to an organisation being humble enough to take the time to do the training and to implement the strategies within their organisation. And as a result, VCOS and um, I believe it was Maeve at the time was the facilitator and she provided a good, safe space where everyone had a good say and was included. So as we move along to number five, have all the meeting members been trained in inclusive meeting practices? For example, employing VAT to come along to their organisation and train up. This is a, you know, once again, this is a checklist for organisations and you know, to be able to run an inclusive meeting is not 
straightforward, but it does make common it does become common sense once it's employed. And to finish off the checklists, we have number six, make sure that the chair and other meeting members are committed to making sure the group or committee has an inclusive culture and practices. I think this, if they, if they follow through with our training and, you know, as we talked about all through this particular episode of, of that chat, um, these things become straightforward and ingrained within an organisation. And, and as Peter said earlier about having all those things in place all the time, there's less need for organisations to undertake further training because they already know what it takes to have an inclusive mm. meeting and inclusive uh, workplace. If, there are, if you are an organisation or a chair and you want to make your meetings inclusive and make sure that, you know, an inclusive culture prevails within the whole organisation, what are some of the ways they could do that other than the VAT training, which is obviously the best method? I don't know. Looking at example of a VAT meeting, met perhaps, but then they wouldn't go to other meetings. I don't know, just making sure the yeah, person has an open mind, open to possibilities. How can you ensure that? I don't know. So being humble and having an open mind are great ways to start and, and, and to create a, an inclusive culture. It takes all those things that we've touched on in this episode. So things mm. like respect and equality and good communication and active learning, yeah. active listening and shared learning. These simple steps make... Being a decent human being, treating others as you yourself would want to be treated. Yes, that's spot on. Treat others as you want to be treated. I think it's, a, it's an old, old saying now, but it's still one that's relevant in everyday life. You're listening to That Chat. I think Heather and Reinforced want you to know a few things. So away to you, Heather. People with an intellectual disability, with a intellectual disability can learn if they are given the chance and more time. When questions are asked too quickly, it makes it hard because it is harder for people 
with intellectual disabilities to take in the information and do not use jargon words and also if when possible make a hard words list and write down the meaning of the word not using hard words and I also found that people with an intellectual disability might have trouble with their memory so they might forget things easier maybe help them write down the important bits of the meeting in dot point and people with an intellectual disability are not poisonous and we are just like you. People with intellectual disability are at different levels so it is important to ask people what they what their access needs are because we will be different it will be different for everyone and i just want to say one other thing nothing about us without us. I'd like to thank uh, Peter and Heather today. They've been providing us with great information and first-hand knowledge and sharing their lived experiences. It's been great. And just want to say thank you once again, Peter, Heather, thank you. Thank you. Nothing about us without us. Hi, and welcome to this That Chat episode's Back Chat where we look at the history of the self-advocacy movement. This time we're going to hear from Amy Laslett and Eva Siffus about what was going on with Voice at the Table back in 2018. Have a good listen and remember voiceatthetable.com.au and you can find out more. The Voice at the Table training is uh, familiarising people with acquired brain injury and people with intellectual disabilities. It's familiarising them with the processes around sitting on boards and in meetings uh, for, for committees, for companies. I've been involved with Voice at the Table for about seven months and my role's mostly been facilitating the workshops with people with an ABI and an ID. And for myself, I've, I've, I've learnt a hell of a lot and I think one of the first things I learnt is how little I knew um, about the lived experience of people with a disability. You can have assumptions that you do know things, but it's not until you build genuine connection with people and you sit back and listen in a real way that you understand that... Um, People with a disability need to be involved in all decision-making because us able-bonds just don't know. Because we've been a silent population for so long and for all this time, decisions and policies have been made that affect us without, without, without our input. And that's dehumanising. 
And so the Voice at the Table pro project and program is offering us a modicum of humanity. Is that is that too much to say? <laughs> yeah. But obviously that's what it is. And that's and I and I feel I feel like I feel I feel valued. I feel like I feel like my um, my input is something of worth, and that's important. It's made a difference to me because I feel like I'm finally somebody. I finally feel like I'm being listened to and heard. And after nearly 20 years of being sidelined, this is a celebration. This is cause for celebration. Meetings can go terribly wrong and that meetings can be a place where people with a disability feel incredibly disempowered. It really highlights the fact that um, there is a power and balance in that space. So Voice at the Table has kind of um, allows us to discuss that and allows people to claim their power back. Um, and the way that it does that is these inclusive processes that have been developed and co-developed. Um, it's been, for me, it's been really incredible to watch people be heard for the first time. One of the principles that are embedded in the training is to make sure that we create a space in the classroom, in the training room, where people feel heard. So everyone always gets a voice to, to be heard and to be connected. And for me as a facilitator, seeing people, their, their confidence grow, it's incredible. And to see the shift from people from being shy and not used to or given permission to speak, to then have a voice, um, it's the best job I've ever had. They need to know our reality. They need to know what we've been struggling with for so long. Uh, as Amy says, it's up until this point, it's just been conjecture. Up until this point, they've just been imagining what our realities are. Mm. And so for us to stand in front of them and to speak our truth is vital and it's so important. Voice at the Table is essential and important because the main thing that it does is it gives room for people to speak their lived experience. It, 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 it challenges that disconnect between worker or service provider or government agency with the people who they claim to be helping. And it flips that idea of charity mm. and it flips that idea of pity um, and, and, and flips it and says, OK, what you have to say is valued. Mm. Um, what you have to say can help us to improve the way that we can support each other. Um, it's not just about the guys up here helping um, people with a disability. Um, but one thing that Voice at the Table also does, it um, addresses the fact that this is a big change mm. and that service providers, councils, governments, whoever, they're not going to do this well because they haven't done it well before. Some might be. And so from a self-advocacy perspective, there needs to be grace on both sides, mm -hmm. that we need to actually work together. So um, it's not about building up self-advocates to go in or gun blazing and say, these are my demands. It, it's about making sure that people can hear each other better. It's very important to have uh, people with disabilities, people with intellectual disabilities, people with acquired brain injuries uh, present in, in board and committee meetings because we inform their process we allow them the voice of experience, not the voice of conjecture, as I said before. Not the voice of conjecture, not the voice of some fantasy, but, but the voice of reality and the voice of experience. You can find out more 
voiceatthetable.com.au. Welcome to Justin Joke. <laughs> I heard the other day that the report said to the police, to the policeman said, why did the robber take a bar of soap with him to rob the bank? And the policeman said, well, he want to get a clean getaway. You've been listening to 3CR, Raising Our Voices, 8.55am. This month, we've heard from Voice at the Table, that, about culture. Thanks so much to Warren, Peter and Heather, Eva, Amy and Justin. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 8.55 on the AM dial. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.